Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freakin' Mirpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Miss these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. You're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. Dr. Seuss. Number two, you have a cell phone and five bars. Which of the following are legitimate reasons to call for rescue? Choose all that apply. Okay. Legitimate reasons to call for rescue. A, you're lost on day two of a five-day backpack. B, you fell 15 feet, got knocked out, then woke up woozy and confused. C, your hiking companion dislocated his shoulder. It's back in now and pretty sore, but it works okay. D, just before dark, your six-year-old brother wandered away from camp. You can't find him and rain has started falling. And E, your new boyfriend was showing off when he pitched over a cliff with a full pack. He's conscious, but his lower leg is crooked and he's squealing in pain. Oh, God! Do you, do you like this guy? <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freaking Mirpod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. 
with your host and renaissance man, Doc. It's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail with the John Freakin' Muir Pod. And this is a very special episode. This is episode 50 and is the season one finale. Very nice. When I started the pod back in January, Chopper, I didn't know exactly where it would end up. If anybody would listen, if we would run out of material, well, the pod is going strong with some devoted listeners scattered across the globe, and I've been able to talk to some really interesting and incredible guests over the past 10 months. And today is no exception. To help me end season one, I want to welcome back the guys who helped me get this whole thing off the ground in the first place. Welcome back to the pod, Chopper, Jukebox, and Big E. How's it going, guys? Oh, that's great, Doc. You know, I noticed something that every one of your episodes is a very special episode. You have to work on your introductions. No, that's, it's, <laughs> it's true. Everyone is special. You're exactly right. Every, every day is a brand new special day. That's right. Anything from uh, Jukebox? Are you frozen? I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. I'm doing well. Just letting everyone get their, uh, their two cents in. Uh, just about as much uh, money as you've made from this podcast in 50 episodes. So uh, we have this. Congratulations. <laughs> we have that to work with. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm the only one that is surprised by this, but I thought season one had ended already. Uh, but I'm, I'm just glad to be a part of uh, multiple episodes in season one and uh, still waiting for my, uh, my appearance check. So uh, means, yeah, whatever. Hey, I got to need to see the numbers. I need to see the plays. Got it. You know what? You're absolutely right. There was, there was an episode where I said, hey, this is the end of season one. We're going to take a break. And then I couldn't help myself. I came back and said, ah, we're not done yet with season one. So we, we kept on going. I You're think a, that was the last time all of us got together. It could, it could be. That was the mailbag oh, yeah. episode. Yep. Yeah, you are a junkie. Yeah. It's, it, it, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Just, just, I don't know if anybody's hooked junkie. on the podcast, but I'm hooked making it. So. We've seen some Spotify wrapped of uh, some uh, frequent listeners, right? You've been in some top fives. Yes. You know, I have to say, I, I sent you guys a picture the other day. A listener, um, I think it was on one of the Facebook posts of the pod, uh, attached a picture of his wrap-up of the year for Spotify and showed the John Freaking Muir pod as his number one podcast. Very nice. Good, I, I, good job, Jim. Really I make him proud. I feel really bad for that guy. Oh, Big E. Hey, another new feature. Alias. Another new feature we're going to kick off with this episode is we're going to show this, this episode on the John Freaking Muir YouTube channel. So not only do you have audio, if you, if you want to see what the, what the group actually looks like and uh, watch this uh, on, on your screen instead of through your earbuds, pause, pause the podcast right now and pick it up in the same place on YouTube. So there you go. And with, with having said that, each of us has a preferred beverage with us tonight. Uh, anybody want to want to share what, what, what they've got? Yeah, I'll do a call out to the uh, Rincon Brewery. I'm having their beached uh, hazy IPA. It's, it's, it's delicious. The uh, Topa Topa Spectro hazy IPA. That's a good one. Okay. Topa Topa. I- I actually have an Elysian Space Dust IPA, one that Doc had actually left here at my place. So I'm, uh, I'm just drinking that. I'm surprised he left. I, I, I left an IPA there? You left two. You left two Space Dust and a couple of Lagunitas, but I had a 
one Lagunitas, my, uh, the one I'm allowed to have uh, on a Friday night right after I finish all my chores and work. So I switch to the space dust tonight. Well, very good. In keeping with the group and showing what a tight-knit group we are, I also have an IPA. Uh, my, my, my brand of choice, uh, Elysian Space Dust IPA, just like Jukebox has. So there you go. Your, uh, your background didn't allow us to see that. You're, you're just drinking the, uh, the, the good outdoors. <laughs> you're drinking Palisades. It's, like. <laughs> it, it's, it's, cold as the, uh, it's cold as the Sierra Nevada waters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nicely chilled. All right. As usual, I know you guys are regular contributors, so you know all about this, but just a reminder, at the end of the episode, we will try and pick out a pro tip inside of the week that we can share with our listeners to make their next adventure that much better. So be be on the lookout. We might have multiples. Who knows? All right. So the last time we had us all together, I think was the mailbag episode, which I want to say was something like episode 20... 4, 25, some, somewhere around there. Yeah, and this is, this is now episode 50. So what has everybody been up to? Who wants to share their major life developments? Well, I think Jukebox, you have the big announcement. You, you just showed us uh, your, your addition to your family. Oh, yes, that's right. So since our last episode, I believe it was sometime during the summer, right? Maybe early summer, May or June. Uh, since then, I'm, uh, I am now a... Uh, a a teacher i'm a teacher i just got a teaching job a teaching position at a high school so i'm looking forward to starting that in january uh in addition uh, i also uh, have a new companion hopefully a future hiking buddy on trails that uh permit uh and not he'll never live up to uh i said buddy he'll never be as uh as reliable of a, a trail expert as our friend buddy but uh, his name is Huck, and maybe since we're doing the video, I can show you. He's laying right there on the bed. Uh, he's a he's a brindle dog. He's a uh, majority shepherd with uh, you know a couple other breeds. He's a he's a rescue. Uh, but uh, those are just some major life developments for me so far. Very nice. For you know, let's see, big life developments. Uh, not a lot. I got a new job. That's good. So new 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 uh, same career, same industry, but. New, new, uh, new job. So that's positive. So, More, far, so is, it, is it further away or closer? Um, it will eventually be closer, but we're, we're opening a new office and until that gets opened up officially in May, I do a little bit more commuting than I would like. But other than that, it's all good. In the current state of the p- pandemic, are you working remote or are you going in every day? I'm going in every day. Okay. <clears throat> I'm in the, one of those, uh, essential industries so it makes it a convenient that i don't have to stay at home congratulations which mrs chopper really appreciates <laughs> don't don't want to cut into mrs chopper's free time no yeah and um working in another essential industry um still my job makes me go into hospitals pretty regularly so just trying to stay comfortable with that you know things fluctuating back and forth but uh after about six months of uh isolating alone i decided that probably wasn't a good idea so got a new place got a roommate um who is hopefully being quiet in the other room (laughs) but uh yeah it actually allows me during uh quarantine to actually talk out loud and not just to myself uh, completely crazy so it's been nice talking to yourself is fine it's when you start answering yourself that's the problem exactly yeah exactly it, it, it's it's it was like day three day four just kind of babbling on a trail type thing you're just like i'm just delirious i i don't know what people look like anymore 
Yeah, a couple of big developments in my life. Number one is I got the garage cleaned up. Oh, nice. That was huge. Yeah, so we tore down all the wood shelving that we had, you know, the house, we moved into the house in 1999 with this, it looked, it looked like old shelving at the time. And so 20 years later, 21 years later, we, we tore it down and, and uh, put in some nice uh, roof racks hanging from the ceiling that uh, now hold all of the boxes, got a big industrial size uh, shelf for one side of the wall. Uh, got everything out of the way. The barrage looks a lot bigger, a lot cleaner. So the jukebox has seen it. I don't so know you, if can he's... And, you can go out and buy a bunch of stuff to fill it with. That's right. That's, That's the goal. Right. And then the other, the other big news is the house is looking bigger because we we're, we're down to one kid in the house. Oh, that's right. That jukebox has been gone for a little while, but uh, his older sister got her own place with a, uh, with a roommate and she's been out for about three or four months now. And so that's, it's a big change. I find myself uh, sitting on the couch next to Mrs. Doc with nobody in the house and we we've got to talk to each other now. So. Yeah. It's actually works out pretty good. Although uh, the, the daughter's coming home on Friday for uh, Christmas break. So we'll have a full house again. Yep. Very good. And is, is the daughter with the same guy? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. How many years is that now? Uh, this will be what? Like five, five or six. Yeah. Five or six. Steady. Yeah, good stuff. They made it through college and, you know, she's in grad school and I'm pretty sure she's going to be here for about a, a weekend and then she's going to go visit him for about a week in Arizona. So, good stuff. All right. So, I'm still making that long distance relationship work? Uh, it's, we never expected it, but it's, it's working great for them. Very it's all good. good. Very All right. good. Have you guys uh, consumed any adventure media out there? Any any good documentaries or books or uh, anything to stay couple, connected to the trail that way? Watch a couple of uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Chan stuff just because it's just fun to watch. It's just amazing. The, Jimmy, the Chin, yeah. Jimmy Chin? Yeah. What did I say? Yeah. Chan. Chan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and then uh, stumbled across uh, a group that was on the um, JMT. What was his name? Uh, Billy Yang. Billy Yang. Yeah. Watched a couple of his things. He's kind of an interesting guy. He's the LA native. Uh, I think he's in the, I'm assuming he's in the entertainment industry the way he puts it together, but he's got some pretty good videos out there. Those are fun to watch. Yeah. Speaking of Billy Yang, you, you sent me a link to his uh, documentary. I think it's like 46 minutes on yeah. YouTube about the John Muir trail. Really well done. Really enjoyed it. And I actually found his Instagram account during the, you know, I was watching the, the video right. and sent him a message. And before the, before I was finished watching the documentary, he had gotten back to me and agreed to come onto the, onto the show. So he'll stay tuned for that. He's coming up on, I think episode seven or eight of season two. Okay, cool. Yeah. He's got a good one where he goes through his whole pack and how he puts it together and how he weighs. I, I thought of you when I saw that. It's like, this is exactly what doc loves. <laughs> Yes. And then he, he did a overnight up on top of Mount uh, Baldy, which was kind of fun. Ooh, that's it was, rough. It was training for the, uh, for the JMT. Right. Right. How about you, Big E? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think, um, you know, just in the general adventure sphere, I uh, can't remember her name right now. And I feel I, I like intentionally looked it up. I totally forgot her name. I can't find it. Uh, the first woman to free solo El Cap in a day. I can't Harrington. remember. Crazy story. Yeah, Harrington. Yeah, yeah. That was that was fantastic. That was awesome by her. Um, it, like just adventuring stuff. The Amazing Race is back on. Uh, we grew up watching that as kids. Just excited to have that back on because that's another backpacking experience I, I've had. Just backpacking around Europe. That's been fun. 
but probably the biggest adventuring stuff I've been doing is just playing a ton of Dungeons and Dragons. Really, I'm just a big nerd, just <laughs> get going going on those crazy adventures, man. Old school adventuring, right? Old there. school, oh, it just it's as wild as your brain wants to make it. <laughs> it's got to be pretty wild then for you. Exactly. Well, that remind me, we watched that world's toughest race. Have you watched that one on? Uh, was it Amazon? Yes. yes. That yeah, I was going to mention yeah. that. Nobody else did. I was going to mention that. Was a good that. one. I forgot we watched that one. So we had a couple. I've had a couple of uh, of contestants on That's this right, on the pod. Oh yeah, yeah. So Brett Gravelin from Team Curl, right? Was uh, was on. He, he was a great interview. A lot of fun to talk to him, and he regularly comments on my, on my Instagram posts, which is oh, pretty cool. Nice. And then he recommended I talk to Hunter Lining, Lininger from AR Georgia. He was the the eighteen year old, right? The young kid. He was a, he was a good interview too. So yeah, it was, that was a really a fun show. It was, that that race is incredible. It oh. was. Uh, it looks like it's like just totally insane. It's like uh, I, I can't imagine that that team from New Zealand that won. It's they didn't sleep. They just motored and just it it, it looked miserable in some of those sections. It's terrifying. Oh, th- this is just a fun little side. I, don't, I think I only told uh, Chopper about this. So a couple months ago, I went up to Alaska for work. Just be. It was a long story, but on the flight up there, I'm talking to this older couple and, you know, just they're like, oh, why are you coming up here? I was asking them, they're like, oh, we're picking up our daughter who works for the National Forest Service. I was like, oh, that's cool. And like, what was she doing? Oh, she was doing like, you know, some surveying stuff. But her big project was she was leading the removal of the Alex Handless bus from Into the Wild. And she and they were showing me on their phone videos that she took in front of the bus as they were as they were lifting it up, like in the the big like uh, Chinook helicopters taking it off. It was pretty cool. And, they, and then like they remove it because too many people were just going. Yeah, out. It, that, that was the thing. It was too many people were going out there, and they were ha- having to go out and save them because they didn't want more people dying out there. Right. It re- originally was, I think, only just like a like a way marker. It wasn't in- intended to be like a camp out there. Right. It was just kind of like an emergency wayfinding place. But yeah, th- that was pretty cool. And they had like photos of it in like the, uh, they put it into a clean room. They're going to refurb it and like put it into a museum. It's going to be pretty interesting. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Just I've, weird little coincidence. I've, uh, I've got a couple of adventure stories, uh, different uh, types of stories too. The first uh, one, like uh, Big E, uh, I also heard about emily harrington but Mm -hmm. uh, i listened to her on the joe rogan experience and just uh kind of like i feel like uh usually he'll interview people who have a book coming out or a documentary or a movie you know kind of just to boost them into that that uh sort of viewership but uh yeah he he got he got that from me (laughs) (laughs) just hearing about her stories and kind of you know how she grew up in a different time than the the uh og rock climbers you know when back when she actually went to climbing gyms and most of those guys you know you'll watch the all the documentaries i'm sure you've covered doc of uh you know those those climbers who used to just live in yosemite for for years and years and years uh, valley uprising i think valley uprising yeah yeah with uh what's the guy's name robbins something robbins or am i saying that right the yeah um royal robbins royal Mm. robbins there you go um and then another sort of uh, adventure genre. I myself uh, started, I picked up a book that I had read a while ago called Undaunted Courage, which is about Lewis and Clark's expedition into the Louisiana Territory. 
Uh, and it was just pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of what I loved from the book is reading about how, uh, you know, Meriwether Lewis grew up and where he grew up. And I mean, we talk about us as, as weekend warriors, you know, we're taking that week off and climbing the, the mountains on the JMT. But, you know, those those people, they lived there. And it was, it was uh, as a young boy, they learned this is the way the, that nature works and you either have to fit in or, or you, uh, you won't live very long. So it was pretty interesting kind of, you know, reading about how hikes happened 200 years ago uh, versus today. And uh, the last thing I would say, kind of an adventure story myself, uh, I don't remember if this happened before our last episode, but um, my girlfriend had a roommate uh, before this current uh, lease that we are in. And her roommate decided to drive out to Lancaster to take photos of a super bloom going on with these uh, flowers. So she ended up taking the freeway and going uh, all the way out to Lancaster, ended up taking a side road and going off kind of where you would never really go off, you know, just down this road a while until she got to the outskirts of the Lancaster prison. So a prison out there. Uh, and fancy that she got her car stuck in sand. So uh, not having AAA, uh, Jukebox answered the call of duty along with uh, Ms. Jukebox. Uh, and we went out there and rescued her. We bought uh, two by fours and uh, brought them out and kind of wedged them underneath the, the tires of the vehicle and pushed as hard as we could. And it was a great success story, but uh, definitely unnecessary adventure. But it happened. So that's uh, that's a few things I've done. Lucky nobody got hurt. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This is what we do when there's COVID shutdowns. We talk about rescuing cars that are stuck in sand. <laughs> there's got to be something better than this. Nice. I've got a couple, a couple, couple four things for you uh, in terms of adventure media. One is I gave Jukebox that my copy of Journeys North by uh, Barney Scout Man. That is a, a memoir about the PCT, the PCT trip that he took in 2007. And it is a great book. You know, after reading that book, I feel like I've been on the, on the PCT. I, I feel like I'm very familiar with, with all parts. So he did a really good job. If you have a chance to check that out. As soon as uh, Jukebox drops off at my house. And then the other day for a future episode, I talked to Jay and Michelle Wilson about uh, Jay's book called Elevation Gain. You can't <laughs> see it. It's, 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 it's blending. In. I'm trying it's to blending. show it on the, on the video here, but it's not, it's not working with my background. But uh, Elevation Gain about their JMT trip in 2019. That was pretty good as well. So many things they talked about in the earth. So many things that he talked about in the book really resonated with me just in terms of everyday hiker life. And, you know, when we were going up to uh, Trail Crest, kind of measuring our progress on Mount Hitchcock across the way. I mean, there's so many, so many things that he verbalized in his book that were, you know, in my head during our trips. So it was, it was a really, it was a really fun read. Sorry to interrupt doc, but I just saw you put that book back. And I'm wondering now that we're moving to maybe another uh, medium of media here of the video that's, uh, you said there's less kids in the house. Why are you not creating a JFM podcast studio where we can see what's actually going on? You know, if we're incorporating the video, we need a studio. We need a visual. It uh, bring the readers in. You just put that book up into I don't even know where. We don't know where that book came from. All in good time, jukebox. The 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 podcast desk has been ordered. It's on its way. I'm just I'm just waiting. I'm biding my time. You got the boom mic gonna come in, and that's right. Pull, yeah. pull it sound, down and yeah. soundproofing on the walls. Get a nice set of 
nice set of headphones. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be sweet. Well, <clears throat> Ian and I actually did a trip over the summer. We yeah. went up to Yosemite, and uh, the the plan was just to do it's was the Glen Allen Trail is what it mm-hmm. is. Uh, it's not too long. Was it two nights? We started yeah. Tuolumne uh, Lake Tanai, and then we'll go around to Tuolumne Meadows. And unfortunately, that was the day the creek fire started. So as we were pulling into the national park through the Tioga Gate, the clouds were coming in, the smoke was coming in. So it was a cool hike. I would definitely recommend it. It wasn't super hard. It was like eight miles max each day because we were going between those high Sierra camps. Right. So it was really easy, um, good trail. And I bet the views would have been spectacular if it wasn't so smoky. Yeah, I, I, I think the hardest part was the we set up camp and then the extra hikes that we did on top of that, trying to count, uh, hike uh, Mount Hoffman at May Lake uh, and then just hiking down to Waterwheel. The Waterwheel Falls down by uh, Glen Allen were probably the harder. But yeah, the, the, the smoke really kind of sucked, but the sunsets were fantastic. Yeah, we went to uh, Mount Hoffman on top of that. And the whole, the whole goal is if you've been to Glacier Point and you look basically up the valley, you're seeing the other end is Mount Hoffman. So we had this plan and we we're going to turn around and see the opposite. And you could barely see the outline in the, sh- in the clouds of Half Dome. It's like, if I didn't know what that was, we would have no idea. So we get up there, it's like, well, I bet this is really nice on a clear day. Let's go back down. Better or worse air quality than we when we were going up to Donahue Pass? Worse. Worse. Yeah, wow, sure. that's bad. I mean, it never that, broke. that was bad when we were up there. Yeah, yeah it, it was really bad. Really yeah, bad. It, it, it was. It was like when we were on that trip. It was like got to the top of Donahue and it came over us. It was smoke all day, twenty four seven, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, that, it that kind of up to three ninety five. It just got thicker and thicker and thicker. Yeah, and we didn't realize that was the time that they were helicoptering those people out of uh, Edison Lake area. That's right. That's right. At the same time, we just we had no idea it was happening. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I talked to the Reynolds family. It was a mom and a dad and three sons, uh, all teenagers or, or younger, and they they were battling the effects of the the creek fire towards the end of their JMT hike. And That's talked about sweet. the same kind of thing. Great sunsets, but you know, felt like they're being chased the, the the last few days by the the smoke. So very good. I've got a couple other media recommendations. I stumbled across this uh, documentary on, I think it was Amazon prime or prime video called Ultraman. And it was the story of this guy, Luke Bolschweiler, B O L S C H W E I L E R Luke Bolschweiler and his, his scar attempt and scar is an acronym. It stands for Smokey's challenge adventure run. And it's a 72-mile piece of the Appalachian Trail in Tennessee and North Carolina. And his goal was to set the FKT, the fastest known time. And so the previous record was 14 hours and 50, 5-0, 14 hours and 50 minutes to do those 72 miles on the AT. I won't reveal the, the ending and what happens, but it was pretty dramatic. Those are uh, those- – ultra marathoners and super distance people are just insane i know you've had a couple on the pod before it just it's it's such a different world yeah i mean i'm <clears throat> i'm too old and i don't have the right body type but it's i can't imagine running that much the, you know what amazes me is the, the two fast packers that i talked to and how they met on the is it the moab 240 yeah, yeah, and the yeah. 240 represents the mileage of that trail run 240 mile trail run which is just and they run it that's bonkers 
that, well, yeah, that, well, as you did the JMT, they did it in just under six days. And they yeah, said it, those are the same, same two guys. Yeah. 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 And people go ahead, Biggie. No, it's like, I, I just, that's like running five miles an hour average up all of these crazy passes down all of them. Like that, my knees just hurt thinking about that. That's terrifying. Yeah. So Gabe and Kevin, that those are the fast packers, the guys that did the Moab two two forty. They decided they were going to run the JMT, and then they got to the JMT and realized that they couldn't run the JMT, and so they only had a week to do it. And so because they couldn't run it, uh, they had to extend their days, the length of their days that they hiked. So they would hike, they would hike eighteen hours a day and get a, get a few hours of sleep and get up at three in the morning and start all over again. And they did it in in uh, I think six days. Yeah, I don't know how you could consider that enjoyable. It just no. head down crazy. Yeah, Kevin actually told me, he, he gave me the, the secondary title for the episode. It was Gabe and Kevin uh, Fast Pack. Actually, Kevin gave it to me. Gabe and Kevin Fast Pack the JMT or How Not to Hike the JMT. <laughs> it wasn't the deal that they, they came up with the ideas because one of the guy's wife said, you, you got one week for vacation and that's, that's it. That's right. They said, no problem, we'll just run it. And then they couldn't run it, so... What's the, what state of mind do you have to be in to run one of these ultra distance races? You know, like you run, you think about a marathon and 99% of people say, okay, well, I'm not doing that. I'll do a 5k, you know, but then you have that upper echelon of people who are like, no, I'm going to run a hundred miles, uh, on no trail, uh, in these ultra marathons or those Barkley marathons yeah. or even just a hundred mile, what do they call those? Like there's hundred mile races, aren't there? Of just ultra, ultra, ultra marathons. Yeah. Ultra, ultra marathons. So I don't, I don't even know what type of demons you have to have for uh, that to be something in your wheelhouse. So like Chopper said, I've had a few people who on the pod who have done that. And I've asked them that question, you know, why, what, what, why would you do that? And it's the answer from a lot of them is that they're trying to find their limit. And I said, have you found your limit yet? And they said, unfortunately, no. And so they keep doing these things to try and find their, their physical limit. And it's, it's you, not only physical, it's, it's mental too. I mean, it's very much a mental game. That's how you end up dead though. You know, and, when you, you keep trying to find the limit, it's kind of like, Hey, well, let's not outrun ourselves here. And I said, thank God I found my limit already. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ran into a group of that. It was by accident. We were doing uh, hiking up Baden Powell last summer. Oh it, yeah, it, it, we happened to stop in the middle or got stuck in the middle of a hundred mile race on the PCT. We were going up. It's on the PCT. This this race. They were basically starting from Wrightwood, if anybody's from the Southern California area, and they were finishing in Pasadena. And we were on the trail at the same time, and we were we were just so afraid of the okay, we're going to be in their way. It's going to be terrible. They were the nicest people. As they passed us by, they were like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You out going for a hike today? This is in a beautiful trail. And to a person, they were all super cool. And it was just, it, it just a different mindset. Nobody on a 100-mile trail run should be chipper. No. Because no. they, were, they, were, they were walking very fast up the trail. And as soon as we got to the top and they hit the, uh, the cutoff, they all took off. And, and that was the thing. Like, as we were hiking up, they would come by, take a break, talk to us. And then I go, okay, and then just keep running on. And there are a couple doing them with like without shoes. I remember that too. Yeah. Nuts. yeah. I think we hit them about mile 20 or something like that. Yeah. Right? And I think it was like, what was the cutoff? It was like 25 hours was something the like cutoff that. or something like that. It's, yeah. it's pretty steep through there because as I say, most of it's on the PCT. 
yeah, yeah it's pretty it's pretty intense section yeah jukebox mentioned a little bit ago i think it was jukebox mentioned the barkley marathons did you yep. mention, mention that yeah so mm-hmm. uh that was good another one of my recommendations is i found a second documentary on the barkley marathons and it I is watch this one <laughs> wait really it is called where dreams go to die <laughs> it's, it's very appropriately named yes <laughs> it's hard to watch. it is the story of ultra marathoner and trail runner gary robbins and his two-year quest to complete the barkley marathons oh i gotta watch that it, it is a must it is a must watch and you know you guys know i am i'm borderline obsessed maybe, maybe even full full-on no, obsessed yeah. yeah i'm full-on obsessed it. with the the barkley marathons and I actually interviewed it's uh, season two, episode one. So they, so the very next episode after this one is an interview with outsider of the year, Michael Wardian. And he is a, a long distance runner, uh, just all kinds of incredible athletic events under his belt. And I discovered during the podcast not, not, I didn't know beforehand. I didn't, I guess I didn't, didn't do enough research, but I discovered during the podcast that he had competed in the Barclays twice. And so I finally got a, uh, a, a guest on the pod who had done the Barclays and was able to speak to it directly. It was awesome. So you guys, I, I highly recommend you guys tune into that. I was, I was going to ask a bunch of questions, but I'm like, you know what? I'll just wait till the episode. Yeah. <laughs> for, for something like the Barclay marathon. I mean, if you've run, like I'm, I'm sure all of us have done either like you know, a Spartan race or a 5k, a 10k or a marathon, something like that. I'm just thinking of when I run a marathon and I'm on the bus with people, you know, going to the starting point or whatever the case may be. And it sort of does feel like this, this culty atmosphere of like, okay, we all like to run and do something that nobody else really likes to do. Uh, And I can't imagine how, how much uh, that feeling intensifies with something like a Barkley marathon, like the group that goes and does that. I mean, that's like a horror movie. Uh, that's like, that's like an, that's like a scene out of the saw. Like, Hey, you got to run this thing or however many times. And, and it, there's no trail, but you just kind of have to find the, the, uh, the path as you go. And I, I just can't even imagine what that group of people would be like. Yeah. yeah I, remember, I don't, uh, don't want to give where, where dreams go to die. The other thing is they talk more about is the, the support groups, because that's one of the things in this, in this story is they can't go out on the trail and actually film them you really limited where they could film and it was basically at the campsites. So you get to see those people are just hanging out there the whole time. And that becomes their own little world and they're all become buddies and best friends. And it, yeah, I, I just remember in the original world. Barkley, in the original Barkley marathons documentary, yes, yeah, they're sitting there and as the person is just shoveling food in their mouth, they're like taping up their blisters. They're like scrubbing their, their legs down and everything like that. And uh, jukebox kind of going on your thing. There was a Spartan race that uh, Chopper and I did in Breckenridge, Colorado. And at the same time, they were doing what was known as like a, what was like an ultra beast ultra, or something yeah, like that? It yeah. And, and it's, you do, if anyone in the pod knows about Spartan races, a beast is a 14 plus mile, 35 plus obstacle, I think, Spartan race. Something like that, and, yeah. and it's like the top, it's like the challenge to do, you know, sprint super beast. And this guy was doing an ultra beast, which is you do the beast twice in one day. And he had, I, he had done it the day before and he yeah. was in the sprint with us. Yeah. That was in, yeah. And he's just like, Oh, I want to keep doing it. It's just like, it, yeah, it's, you're just in a different, these people are just in a different mindset. But at the same time, all of us were like, Whoa, that's so cool. Like, that's crazy that you're going to do that. Like, awesome. Like we're the average person would just go like, you're insane. Yeah. To give you some insight along those lines into Michael Wardian, 
he did seven marathons on seven continents in seven days, twice. That's a it's lot seven of days in a row? How do you seven days seven? in a row? That's a marathon on Antarctica. That's an I gotta listen. <laughs> gotta listen. Man. I I am very excited for this. <laughs> but before we move on, I'm gonna <laughs> On on the uh, on the topic of Spartan races, that reminds me. I also did listen to a podcast with Joe DeSena, the the founder of the Spartan yeah. Race. He's an and I want to get your opinion on this because apparently he has, uh, or when his children were around the ages of of like twelve to fourteen in the teenage range, he said that he had started a camp over summer uh, with young teenagers uh and kind of just keeping them occupied you know because they don't have school and what do they do so he started this like fitness camp in summer for them uh and the kids they didn't have phones they it was like it was like a boot camp uh and these kids were begging their parents to come pick them up and saying hey you have to come get me out of here this is horrible and he joe would call the parents and say hey no they're doing fine like your son's complaining about this we have an 11 year old girl that's it's doing all of this and that and you're and the parents are like what are you talking about toughen up like to their kids like some you're staying there you know and i'm thinking like these are some these are some programs i could get behind you know putting these kids you know making them work like that uh, it sounds uh sounds like fun version of outward bound it's, it's, it's the, the old <laughs> yeah the, the old simpsons episode of camp crusty scared straight <laughs> chopper did you say scared straight i did <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very good. Well, our next Spartan race uh, jukebox, we'll have to pull you into it. It's good times. I'm interested. It's I, It looks like fun. So what is it, basically? It's just a uh, – I don't it's, even know. Yeah, it's, so it's it's trail running in the hills, usually where, you know, in Southern California, plus, like, obstacles and stuff like that. Just the one we did last year was pouring down rain, and uh, Chopper and I took about a 100-meter slide down a uh, really steep hill with a lot of rocks and, uh, you know, just – things catching you and uh you know it was, it, was, it was raining and super muddy and coincidentally it was exactly a year ago no oh, yeah and, and we need was, we need full disclosure here you gotta tell jukebox how so what was, was the distance was, what was the distance of that race that was a sprint so it was probably five miles <clears throat> maybe four and maybe 20 obstacles nothing. yeah and, and how long how long did it take to go five miles about an hour and a half yeah what but, was the okay. which was which was the one where it took you like twelve hours? That was that was the beast, and we did that on Snow Summit. Up in Snow Summit, <laughs> you go up and down Snow Summit twice. We we, we oh. were like coming out of the starting line. You had to scramble up a double black diamond on that race. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll start with the uh, the little one first, whatever that's called. I'm uh, I'm just getting back into good running shape right now, so I'm not uh, I'm not even in JMT shape right now. We'll, we'll play okay. in next year because every okay. year in December they have it in the, the north end of the L.A. up in Got California. It. Lake. But last year it was raining so bad. Oh. These hills just became giant slip and slides. And it we was... were try, trying to walk down this hill. And I slipped on my, my butt and just couldn't stop. And, and I, I came right after him. He is doing about 90 miles an hour coming right at me down the hill. He stands up and his entire back end of his shorts and underwear is gone. So I have it, it like underwear, shorts completely ruined. 
Um, I found out later, like two days later, I, I was having a, a work dinner and like, you know, dressed up nice for it and reached for a glass of water and realized that I had bruised my ribs and I like, like stopped like halfway through, like grabbing a, like trying to grab a, grab a glass of water. It was horrible. It was a good time. He, he, he just about took uh, three or four people out like a bowling ball and bowling pins coming down the hill. Oh fun. yeah. Oh yeah. But that's wow. an, that's an atypical one. That was making very, it really, making it sound really attractive. Well, in, in the, probably the, one the, best we one. Brecken, the one we did in Breckenridge, we did with uh, my, my daughter when she was going to school in Colorado. So I think you're, you're, you're pretty good there, uh, Jukebox. You can handle it. Oh, Jukebox, you see what he's doing there? He's, he's doing the, hey, the he's, 11, he's the 11 year old girl can do it. You know her. You, you, hey. you can't have her uh, one up in you. You know what? You could have said anybody did it and then I could do it and I'd have to rise <laughs> to the occasion. That's just nature. I just have to now. I have to do it. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, I've got another quiz for you guys to take. So sharpen your skills. I'm going to come back and, and take a quiz. Be right back. Hey, this is Michael Wardian, professional marathon and ultra marathon runner. And you're listening to the John Freakin' Muir podcast. And welcome back. All right, guys. I uh, looked around. Since our last quiz was so successful back on the mailbag episode, I decided, hey, I need to find another quiz for us to take. This is a survival quiz, backpacking survival quiz, and it was from, I believe, backpacker.com. I hope, I hope I'm giving the, the correct credit. So I've got 15 questions for you. Do we want to do individual answers or consensus answers like last time? Oh, let's do it as a group. It's more fun. Okay. Also, Doc, I feel, you know, you're taking these breaks in the middle and, and people, the viewers might think, oh, is he giving them the answers to this quiz and whatnot? And this is contrary to popular belief. This is not some low budget television uh, entertainment production. I mean, this is the real deal. We didn't get any briefing. It was a quick water break, uh, bathroom break, and we're back just so everyone knows. That's right. No, no advantage here. That's not, that's not what kind of show this is. Yeah, I think half, the entertainment, half of the entertainment is us getting it wrong. So That's right. <laughs> discussing right. it, debating it, and then getting it wrong. That's right. The, the discussion where you guys are right on the right answer, right at first, and then you talk yourselves out of it is, exactly. is classic. <laughs> okay. So 15 questions. It's a survival, backpacking survival type quiz. So here you go. Number one, halfway into a week-long hike in Glacier National Park, you and your buddy have lost the trail. What's your next move? Yeah, I'm going to give you four choices here. It's multiple choice. So what's your next move? A, shortcut cross country back toward the path to avoid wasting daylight. B, retrace your steps to the last known landmark. C, stop, pitch your tent, and start signaling for help. Or D, climb to the top of the highest nearby peak to get a better view. Ooh. I, I want to say B. I would, is I that would the landmark one? Yeah, I like go, the landmark go, I answer. Yeah, I, yeah, backtracking makes sense because if you for D, if you try to climb to the highest mountain, that increases your risk of getting more lost too. Right. I feel like. And if you're if you're already lost, pitching a tent may not be the best thing to be doing and mm -hmm. uh, waiting for help. And but, then yeah. And, and the other one we don't remember, so it must not that must no, be it, it was like like shortcut back to the trail, yeah. but I'm like if you don't know where the trail is. Yeah, I think I think I, I'd go with the landmark one. Backtrack. I think. Let's backtrack. Final All right. 
That's your answer, final answer? Yeah. Okay, B, that's right. You have company, supplies, and gear, so solve this yourself. If you're still off the trail after a day or two, try C. Following option A is a major reason hikers get lost, but B is the correct answer. All right, right, you guys are one for one. Very good. We survived. You've survived. We're still still alive. Still alive. (laughs) All right, number two. This is one of those uh, Bear Grylls Bandersnatch uh, episodes where we can decide whether he's going to eat the bear feces or uh, go ice fishing. (laughs) I would recommend ice fishing. (laughs) (laughs) Jukebox picked bear feces. I did just to make him eat it. I did. (laughs) Number two. Number two, you have a cell phone and five bars. Which of the following are legitimate reasons to call for rescue? Choose all that apply. Okay. Legitimate reasons to call for rescue. A, you're lost on day two of a five-day backpack. B, you fell 15 feet got knocked out, then woke up woozy and confused. C, your hiking companion dislocated his shoulder. It's back in now and pretty sore, but it works okay. D, just before dark, your six-year-old brother wandered away from camp. You can't find him and rain has started falling. And E, your new boyfriend was showing off when he pitched over a cliff with a full pack. He's conscious but his lower leg is crooked and he's squealing in pain. <laughs> oh, God. Do you, do you like this guy? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I would say, so real quick, Doc, go through, go through A real quick. Okay. So A is you're lost on day two of a five-day backpack. All right. That one's a maybe. All right. Let's do yeah. B is you fell 15 feet, got knocked out, and woke up woozy and confused. That's a for definite sure. yes. For sure. Yep. So you're saying yes yep. on B. Okay. Yeah. C yep. is your hiking companion dislocated his shoulder. It's back in now. I'm pretty sore, but it works okay. I've personally dislocated my shoulder several times. You're okay. Okay. Intentionally? I, I'd agree. I... Nobody intentionally <laughs> dislocates their shoulder. Unless you're like, you know, Houdini or something trying to get out of his <laughs> No, I wouldn't recommend intentionally popping your shoulder up. Okay, so so far we're just on B then. So far, so right? on B. Okay, uh, D. Just before dark, your six-year-old brother wandered away from camp. You can't find him. Rain, it's starting to rain. That's yeah. a yes. That's okay. That's so B, B, and D. And then E is your boyfriend goes over the cliff with a full pack. He's he's got a crooked leg and he's squealing. Oh. I'm going to yeah. say yes to C, uh, E also. Okay, yeah. well, let's check the answer here. Correct answer: B, D, and E. All right. Nice. Head injuries are always serious due to possible brain swelling. Small children are at risk for hypothermia because of their body to mass ratio. And the boyfriend is going nowhere with a displaced leg fracture. So (laughs) two for two. (laughs) So that means no matter how much your uh, hiking companion is complaining about his dislocated shoulder, you holster that phone, baby. That thing ain't coming out. (laughs) You can still walk. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's no boot on your shoulder let's go suck it up no yeah okay i had to walk myself into the hospital one time to get my shoulder back in the socket no one was helping me was that when you got off the helicopter no that was a different trip okay got it got it all right all right number three it's day eight of your through hike of southern utah's 812 mile hay duke tri- trail your water bottles are empty, and the map doesn't show any springs on this high plateau. You now die. what? You die. <laughs> yeah, you're dead. Not an option. Here you go. A, drink any urine you produce. 
B, rest in the shade, then retrace your steps to the last available water once the sun goes down. C, find a creek bed and start digging. You'll find the water table soon. Or D, follow a cattle trail. It will always lead to water. Wow, that's a tough one. Yeah. You want, you want it one like more time? So if I'm, I'm in the middle of Utah, I'm looking for one of those new obelisks. In, 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 in your, yeah. It's, a, it's not an obelisk, it's a drinking fountain. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's, don't, you're definitely not digging, right? No, you're not digging. Yeah. Digging is not good in Utah. No. Okay, so that's C. So you're ruling out C, no digging. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not sure, but I don't think you are recommended to drink your own urine, but I'm not positive. I, th- I think the first run through, it's technically sterile, but I don't, I think it's, that's a, I, I want to say that was in 127 hours, but that's like absolute last resort. But I also don't think hiking at night while you're dehydrated is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's in 127 hours and also dodgeball. Yes. <laughs> Yes, Rip, Rip, Rip Torn has some great quotes about that. Yes. The cattle trail makes a little sense to me because there's obviously animals there and they're not going to have cattle out in the middle of nowhere without any source of water. I feel but, like, I feel I like know, the cattle... cattle trail, though. You yeah. find the cattle like trail the cattle... and you follow it until you find skeletons and then you stop you and go back. I'm, I'm going to say as gross as it is, like, well, that's the thing. It's an any urine, like... Drink any urine you produce. Oh. <clears throat> so you're not with somebody else. Got it. Um, I'm going to, I'm leaning more towards either the cattle or the retrace your steps. I think that retrace your steps is probably a better answer because you don't know for certain what a cattle trail is going to lead to or how far that is until you get water. And you don't know which way, which direction the cattle were going. In. Yeah. Right. I'd probably say retrace. That's what I'm leaning towards. What do you think? I said, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, for I like the reason, urine idea. I'm thinking drink your pee. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying like, if worse comes to worse, like, not that there's like, anything wrong with it. I feel like you're close to death though. If you're thinking, okay, I have to drink my pee now, you know, like that's, that's not a I'm, good I'm, sign. Yeah, but that's I mean, if you're, if there's no water out there, that thing's nuts. All right, we yeah. got to speed this up. Let's pick one. You guys pick. You, you both like retrace your steps, so let's do that one. All right, we'll do that. Okay, so answer. You're picking B, rest in the shade, then retrace your steps to the last available water once the sun goes down. The correct answer is B. You are <laughs> correct. So you're three for three, and the, the notes in the answer say that uh, while urine can be 95% water and only 5% waste, Concentrated urine can increase thirst, mess up your electrolytes, and induce vomiting. And we've all been dehydrated, and it's pretty concentrated at that point. Yeah, and it also says that answer C, the finding a creek bed and start digging, that's a myth that you're going to find the water table soon. And in terms of a cattle trail, it doesn't offer any advice about cattle trail, but as, as I was listening to you guys talk, I'm wondering, have you ever seen cattle walk single file? I'm not sure there's such a thing as a cattle trail. That's what I was saying. I wouldn't know yeah. a cattle trail from a, you know, a goat trail. Right. Okay. You guys are still alive. Question. Three, three for three. All right. How All many right, of these f- are there? What? How many of these are there? 15. Holy smoke. All right. Be, yeah. We've got to speed up our answer All right, choices. Okay. All right. Here we go. Four. You're ready for the, for the first rappel into a technical slot Canyon, but the anchors mentioned in the route, in the route description aren't there. Is this a problem? 
Yes. A, <laughs> A, no. Wrap on, uh, rappel on using something else as an anchor, but make sure your cell phone is charged in case anything goes wrong. <laughs> B, not really a problem, but first check your bolt kit to be certain you have enough anchors to pound in wherever you might need them and find a good spot to establish the start of your own route. Or C, yes, it is a problem. Retrace your route until you find the anchors. Yeah, I'm not necessarily a repelling expert, but I don't think that's a good choice <laughs> to go down if, if you don't have the, the right anchors. Yeah, I'm going to go with C. I think C. Yeah. Okay, Answer. the answer is C. You guys are four for four. Flash floods may have stripped anchors you need, or you might be in the wrong canyon. Either way... A slot cannon is usually a one-way trip, so make sure you can get through before proceeding. There you go. We're more repelling than we realized. Questions number five and six are true and false, so you've got 50-50 chances here. Good. All right, number five, true or false, hypothermia can be a risk in temperatures above 55 degrees. If you're wet, probably. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, So I'll go true then. We'll go true? Yeah, let's go true. All right. The answer is true, especially if it's raining and windy. Just ask the Rangers in the Smokies who see a surprising number of cases every spring. Very good. That was you guys on uh, uh, Lady Forrester, your first time around on the JMT, right. right? Yeah. That's right, man. That was miserable. But that was not that was not above 55 degrees. That was the best photo ever. <laughs> All right. Number six, true or false, you can use your analog watch as a compass. Yes. Yeah. I can't, but I know people can. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I think there's a magnet in it, I think. All right. The, the answer. You align the hands and the time and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a way it. to do it. The answer is false. Really? False. It says here that an analog watch can be used to find an approximate north and south during certain times of day, but it oh. can't determine direction with enough accuracy to, for dependable navigation. Okay. Yeah. A, so that wasn't in your Lewis and Clark book, apparently. No, no, they didn't have analog watches back in uh, 1804. <laughs> they had to carry around a grandfather clock. That's right. <laughs> and so one, just, uh, just one big, quarter the whole way. Just, just a big sundial. <laughs> All right, number seven. You're hiking in the Grand Canyon in 95 degree temperatures, and you've been drinking so much water your belly is sloshing. Still, you feel weak and tired. What will help? A, eat a salty snack, take electrolyte tablets, and sip an energy drink. B, nibble on some candy to keep your energy up. C, keep drinking. It's tough to stay hydrated in heat this severe. Or D, rest in the shade with your feet above your heart. I was going to go for E, vomit profusely. <laughs> I, that's from self, self exper- you've got self-experience there. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I would say, I, 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 I would say eat something salty and drink an energy drink. You probably just have so much water in your system, but like none of it's getting into your cells. I agree. You, you were nodding on that one there, Jukebox? Yeah, I go with A. I'm good with A. Okay. A. You guys pick A, and the answer is A. You're, right. probably, oh. you're probably getting hyponatremia. An electrolyte imbalance caused by heavy sweating, excessive water consumption, and that. lack of food and salt intake. You'll go into seizures and die if it progresses. 
didn't know that part, but okay. Don't, don't want to alarm you, but you guys barely avoided that one. Very good. You better remember these answers for, <laughs> for my future <laughs> hikes. Next time I'm uh, hiking to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. I'm going to print this that, put it in our pack. How come that wasn't an option for, uh, for calling for rescue? That should have been a, an answer choice for the last question. <laughs> you think your head's going to explode and you can't breathe. Should I call a helicopter? <laughs> All right. So this is number eight. Like Brittany Woodrum, Bert, who I interviewed about her, her uh, 14er experience in Colorado, you're scrambling up a steep Colorado 14er in June. The moves are fairly easy, but it's snowier than, snowier than you expected, and you don't have an ice axe or crampons. You should, A, keep going for a few pitches to check out the route, then retreat if it seems too tough. B, go for it. The snow will soften in the sun as the day progresses, making the descent considerably safer. No. B, glissade <laughs> <laughs> the whole way down. C, glissade back down. Or D, retreat via the least snowy, least technical route you can find. D. What was A? What was A? A, keep going for a few pitches to check out the route, then retreat if it seems too tough. No. Get out of there. In D? June? I don't know. It it's, depends on how close you are to the top and what you can see. The, that, was, that wasn't the an option. The correct answer is to uh, retreat. I, I, I think because it's snowier than you thought, it's probably just – Swallow your pride and get off of it. All of, all of us would keep going. Oh, yeah, 100%. Get in trouble, but I think the correct answer is to retreat. Chopper, I, you, I just, Chopper you can't say that on a podcast like this. We're going to get a, a nasty review saying we're encouraging people to do the wrong thing out there. Someone's going to get in a snit about this. So. I'm pretty sure that's already happened with me. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying, though. Backpacker.com is not going to be advocating for uh, – for risk takers right. on this uh, this quiz I here, think, so I think, yeah, I think retreat is going to be the uh, yep. appropriate response. All right, yep. so you guys, you guys pick D, and that is the correct answer. It's easier to fall on a descent, even in soft snow, and you have no tools with which to self-arrest. There you go. Okay. Less fun, but appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, plus at plus at fourteen, your brain's not making great decisions with that amount of oxygen. Good point. <laughs> Okay, number nine. Ooh, this is a good one. A cottonmouth just sank its fangs into your girlfriend's ankle. (laughs) (laughs) The start of a bad joke. (laughs) After calming her, you should immediately, A, tie a tourniquet just below her knee to keep the poison from reaching her heart. B, make a deep X cut at the site of the bite and start sucking. C, have her do jumping jacks to work the venom out of her system. <laughs> D, keep her lying down and calm and send for help. E, attach a suction cup venom extractor and pump away. You just have one I of those? no experience with a venom extractor, so I'm not sure if that's a real thing or not. I am going to rule this question unanswerable because of the, the uh, pretense in the, the question itself, it says your girlfriend has calmed down. So I don't think that uh, there's any real answer here. This is all just pretend. Your girlfriend is blaming you at this point for dragging her on this hike, and now she's in this, in this situation. Yeah, and you don't know if you're you know, two minutes from the bus stop or if you're 20 miles deep, too. Yeah, you should definitely not suck it out. That's, I, I know that for sure. And probably not on the jumping jacks. 
No, because that just gets it to your is heart. A, is a venom sucker extractor a real thing? I have no idea. First I've heard of that. that, that kind of, the, I don't have that in my pack. No. What's the tourniquet answer choice? What does it just uh, say? Apply a tourniquet? So it sounds like you've narrowed it down to you've narrowed it down to two. Uh, either A, tie a tourniquet just below her knee to keep the poison from reaching her heart, or D, keep her lying down and calm and send for help. I think D is my personal guess. Yeah, just because the tourniquet option doesn't have the and call for help option yeah. at the end of it. So yeah. it's I, I think calling for help is probably the biggest right, let's thing. Call for help. Okay. I would yeah, I would do both probably, but all right, so the correct answer is D. That's correct. You guys are right. Oh, Keeping right. the victim immobile slows the diffusion of the venom into the system and minimizes the risk of shock until you can arrange evacuation for anti-venom treatment. Snake bites are rarely fatal, but some people suffer serious limb dysfunction afterward. Doc, I have a trivia question for the crew right now because I researched this myself during the pandemic. All right. In the Fire United away. States, in the United States, this is all three of you can answer, and the closest answer without going over will win. In the United States, how many people per year are killed by venomous snakes? You just happened to research this uh, for, for the heck of it? Yes, I did. I did. Venomous snakes. Is it number of people? Number of people. Number of yeah. people in the okay. United States. I'm going to say 15. I was going to say five. I was going to say, yeah. So Doc said 15. I think it's a little higher, so I'll say 16 just to knock him out. Oh, you suck. And then, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm playing the uh, uh, prices right. Let's do five. Okay, so wait. Who, who, what are the answers? Doc, you said what? 15. I said 16. And and you e had said five. 16 and E said five. Big E is the winner. About five people every year in the United States die from venomous snake bites, which is a number far smaller than I would have imagined. It, it's, 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 I think that's one of those statistics where it's like more people die from getting hit on the head with a coconut than a shark bite type thing. Yeah. yeah. The die yeah. is the key. I think most people don't die. Seven to 8,000 get bit a year. Yeah. There and you only go. five die. I was going to say there's about 3,000 hikers who do the PCT each year and they start off in the desert for the first 700 miles. There's got to be a lot of snakes out there. I, I would figure at least five of them die a year. But they don't die. No. <laughs> Evidently not. So very good. They're All right. Resilient. Moving on from the snake uh, trivia, number 10. You're at the trailhead, and the box for self-registration is empty. You know, like, like the uh, Baldy and Cucamonga, right. Yeah. right? So the box for self-registration is empty. You haven't told anyone where you're going or how long you'll be gone. Walk on? That's the question. A, sure. John Muir never had anybody tracking him. <laughs> B, Yep, but leave a note on your dashboard with your trip plan and expected return and pack your cell phone. C, not so fast. Visit or call the nearest ranger station first to report your expected route and return date. Or D, yes, with caution. As a veteran hiker, you can count on years of backcountry experience to get you through. So this is the politically correct one would be to go back and check in with the ranger, but I yeah. think most people would just leave a note on their dashboard and go. Yeah, I, I think technically the National Forest Service wants us to say go go tell a ranger. I would say C as well. I'm locking in with C. Locking in with C. Well, you had some flexibility here. So B and C are both good ideas, especially C. All right. 
We no ranger to call. You can also phone a friend instead and let them know. So that's it. Like, spe- speaking of 127 hours, right? So we'll give you a correct answer on that one. All right, on to number 11. You just hiked to 11,000 feet. So let's say uh, was that Donahue Pass or Muir Pass? Yeah. After pitching yeah. camp, you develop a pounding headache. That's chopper, you know, <laughs> you know what this is like. <laughs> What's the cure for this classic case of altitude sickness? A, guzzle a liter of water. D, do some light exercise around camp to get your respiration and heart rate up. C, break camp and descend to a lower elevation before sleeping. D, take 200 milligram of ibuprofen. E, could be A and B, or F, A, B, and C. Oh, crap. Um, okay. He is vomiting. <laughs> um, you're supposed to descend. So, what letter was that? That was C. I so think you're also supposed to drink. One of the answers. I think you're also supposed to drink water. That was A. Right. So, is E or F include A and C? Which one? Yeah, F includes A, B, and C. What was and B? what's B? B is do some light exercises around camp to get your respiration and heart rate up. That one's wrong. So I'm, I'm going to go with the, the descent. Yeah. Set up camp lower. What is E? What is E again? A and B. A and B. Okay, so it's not that one. We know it's... C's the, C's okay, the correct answer. Descent, yeah. So get down. That's why I got helicoptered out, because that's where the ranger's like, you have to go down, and you're between two 12,000-foot passes. You oh, look at, look at you using life experience. I was the only one to remember, you know, talking to the ranger. These two yahoos were running around doing calisthenics. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel bad for you guys because the answer was F, A, B, and C. Really? Yeah, it says dehydration is often often a factor in early right. altitude symptoms, so guzzle yeah. away. A sudden drop-off in physical activity can also lead to headaches. A bit of exercise will draw more oxygen into your system. Although I couldn't imagine Chopper doing some jumping yeah. jacks uh, in, in his no. condition. I could barely <laughs> And then if the ache doesn't abate within an hour or two, the best treatment is to descend to uh, – a descent of 1,000 to 2,000. Yeah, I'm going to file a uh, protest on that one. All right. Protest. Pop, pop, pop a couple Advil. You're fine. This right. shows that it wasn't rigged though. We weren't given these answers. We were correct. And we were hundred percent until that question. So yeah. no, you missed, you missed no, question missed, number six. Too. What something. was that one? <clears throat> oh, the, uh, the, Oh, the watch. analog watch. Okay. Got it. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was on. It. Okay. okay. Number 12, number 12, moving on complainers. Number 12, assume spinal injury and immobilize an injured patient whenever he or she has A, taken a long tumble, B, feels numbness in extremities, C, feels back or torso pain, D, has been knocked out from a serious blow to the head, or E, all of the above. All of the above. What was the question again? Assume spinal injury and immobilize an injured patient whenever... Oh, okay. My back has hurt so many times, just, you know, schlepping a bag around and doing yeah. all that. Just back pain is not necessarily a spinal injury. And the extremities. But, I feel like we all lose, lose feeling in our extremities at some point or another on the trail, right? But the, the tumble and the, the tumble head for injury, sure. for sure. Well, yeah. the head injury is not necessarily a spinal issue. Sure. Hmm. I do precautionary immobilization of myself uh, any chance I get. Oh, yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) And then turn on something on YouTube. (laughs) 
I, I, I do that when I walk up my stairs. I, I'm going to go with the, uh, the, the, the tumble and fall personally, but you, you get yeah. the number. No, I think so. The, All right. Let me read it one more time, guys. Assume spinal injury and immobilize an injured patient an injured patient. So the, the patient has been injured. Right. So then an injury has occurred. Uh, whenever he or she has taken a long tumble, feels numbness in extremities after an injury, feels yep. back or torso pain after an injury, has been knocked out from a serious blow to the head, or E, all of the above. I'm all right, are you, you trying thing. to give us the answer or are you trying to make us feel stupid? I now felt, e. I felt bad right? about last question. Okay, it's E. Yeah, so, yeah, after an injury, definitely. Yeah, E, that's correct. And just to be safe, assume the worst if your friend displays any signs of head injury. Uh, which include vision or speaking problems, confusion, bleeding from the ears, motor skills impairment, etc. I mean, half of those, half of those, you get at mile fifteen anyway. That's right. But but but, but I was also going to say like Not the okay. bleeding of the ears. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, I said half, but right. but it's but it's also you know like the next hike we go and I roll my ankle, you guys are going to be like no go no get you tackle plus, me and make sure I get my spine is immobilized. Immobilized. You carry him. No, you carry him. <laughs> I'm not carrying him. <laughs> All right, number 13. You suddenly realize you're lost in deep forest. What's the way out of this fix? A, follow the closest creek downstream until it meets a river because rivers always lead to civilization. Mm. B, find shelter, stay warm and dry, and wait for rescue. C, note your location and surrounding landmarks carefully, then retrace your steps to the last point where you knew you were on the route. D, Call 911 for directions on your cell phone. Okay, so it's not D. Yeah. I'm going to guess it's C because several of these were retrace your steps. Yeah, in landmarks. Yeah, I like C. Yeah. All right. C is, uh, the answer is C. And if that doesn't work, go with B, which was find shelter, stay warm and dry and wait for rescue. And A, it says, is a myth about rivers always leading to civilization. I remember- Doc. Oh, go ahead, Biggie. I was going to say that I listened to a ton of True Crime podcasts, and there was one about these two girls getting lost, and I think in like Columbia or something like that. And it was they tried to do that and got swept away by a river and a flood type thing. So that's definitely not a good, uh, not a good path. And uh, Chopper and Doc, after Chopper was choppered out of uh, the uh, Mineral King route, Doc, we actually got lost on the trail for a bit. We weren't on the trail, and we. I don't know what we did. We kind of just kept hiking around until we find, found it. But uh, it wasn't quite deep, dark forest at that point. But we were kind of lost. And then we looked at your iPhone satellite map or something like that. Yeah, the ranger actually told us, you know, just keep walking that way. You're going to intersect the trail. Well, we kept walking that way and never found the trail. And we, we kind of <laughs> had to go back and forth until we did. So At that actually, point, we- I was ready to get choppered out, too. I was like, let's just get out of here. <laughs> I think when they told you you couldn't ride out with me, you were more disappointed than anybody <laughs> I a little bit. I don't know what it was. We, when you see one of your comrades pack it up and head out, you're like, I gotta go too. It's just a package deal. <laughs> you're yeah. like, done. All right, two questions left, guys. Number fourteen. Your youth group just summited Mount Marcy, and some of the kids are descending faster than others. As a leader, should you round them up? A. <laughs> hey now nah, relax and enjoy the hike the kids <laughs> the kids might get spread out but all they have to do is drop back down the same way they came besides you have an adult with a two-way radio sweeping the trail 
B, so the question is, should you round them up? B, sort of, split the adult chaperones to form two distinct hiking groups. C, yes, by telling the slow kids to cut the switch back so they can keep up. <laughs> D, that yes, one. D, yes, keep everybody together. That's the deal, and you told them so at the start. No child left behind. Boy, that was a softball. <laughs> D, D is correct. Dividing the group into two parties reduces your manpower in the event of an emergency, and letting the group string out along the trail uh, increases the risk that someone will make a wrong turn on a side trail. Always keep them tight. C right. would have I'm, been I'm, a I'm, Spartan race guy's answer. Cut the switchbacks. Chubby yeah. kids, get up there. I, I said that but Buddy would have a different opinion coming down from Donahue into Tuolumne Meadows, just taking off. Take off. I'll meet you at the end. Yeah, and, right. and, 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 he, and he found a shower. Yeah, in the, in the wrong camp. Yeah. Well, we did that last year. E and I were up yeah. in Mount San Bernardino, and we were coming down. We ran into this group of parents and kids, and they were oh. way away from the campsite. And they were like, yeah, we're out of water. Where should we go? And we're like, you should go back to the campsite. Oh, that, Back, that was Backpacker.com would say, retrace your steps. But yeah. And their kid, the kids look miserable. And the, yeah. The, oh, the leader round the them dad up. was confused. <laughs> All right. Last question. Back out into the snow. The most common avalanche snow condition is A, hard pack snow, B, wet slush, C, old wind crust, or D, fresh wind-drifted snow? I don't even know the last two answers. It's I can't even. Because it's like usually on those cornices that come up like. Yeah, I, I was going to say C or D. It's, yeah, either like crusty or like brand new powder. I think it's, I think it's the wind. What was D? Say that again, Doc. Uh, so C is old wind crust and D is fresh wind-drifted snow. I'm going to say fresh. I think I'm, I'm guessing fresh. That's just a guess. I, um, we, don't, we don't live in an area that gets snow. So, so Biggie and Chopper have, have said fresh and Jukebox just looks confused. I'll go with whatever my, uh, my fellow test takers uh, want. That, those are testees to you. Okay. Hey, testees. hey, hey. hey. I didn't even podcast. realize that until I said it. Joke's on me. Okay. <laughs> the testes. All right. Hey, the correct answer is D. You guys are correct. Most avalanches occur during or shortly after storms in areas where wind drift has created pillows of wind-stiffened snow overlying a weak, unconsolidated layer. But instability can last for days, and avalanches can occur in other conditions too. So watch out. So that's good. You guys were 13 out of 15, 13 out of 15, uh, correct answers. So I would say that, uh, two of the three of you would have survived this trip. That's right. That's good enough. Yeah. yeah we're good. Con congratulations. We don't know the survival rate of those other answers that we got wrong. I mean, one of them was using a compass. That wasn't really life or death. That was just a, a true false question we got wrong. So I, uh, yeah, 50, 50 chance and you got it wrong. Yeah. It's, I might not be life or death. North, south, whatever it takes. <laughs> landmark. I would have landmarked it. There you go. East. I thought you said weast. Alrighty. All right. Hey, we have, we've gone south here. Speaking of south, it's, it's, <laughs> it's gone south. We're going to take another quick break, quick bathroom break, and uh, we come back. We're going to talk about 
some possibilities for some upcoming adventures uh, in the near future, hopefully. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Gabe. Hey, I'm Kevin. This is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. And we listen to this podcast to get ready to fast pack the JMT in under six days. And welcome back. I'm really proud of you guys. Uh, most of you survived that backpacking quiz. Most. Live, live, to, live to tell another story, another day. So, hey, uh, speaking of another day and more stories, let's uh, talk about possible upcoming adventures. You guys have any ideas for future trips for us or for yourselves? Well, we're always looking for new things to do. Um, e has not finished the southern half of the, the JMT. So that's been on our yeah. list of, of things to do. And obviously got to get through pandemics and such and get the, the websites open to get the permits. I'm guessing it's going to be tough this year because so many people got displaced by fires that there's going to be a lot of people trying to get back in on the trail. So that might be a little tough getting permits. Yeah. yeah. I would, the Southern half of the JMT is just absolutely gorgeous. I love right. the, uh, you know, the amount of time you spend over 10,000 feet. And I think the scenery is just fantastic. Yeah. I've been wanting to do it for I'm, years. I'm real jealous. Uh, if, if you wouldn't mind, if it doesn't crimp your plans, throw in an extra, throw, throw in an extra I, I'll, I'll find a way to get that, get out there. Oh, with you. I was just about to say, if this was a, uh, if this was bigger, if this was possibly uh, expanded from a two-person, uh, you know, familial journey, then I would definitely be interested in doing the southern half again. That was that. That was a lot of fun. Well, we might go for like you know six permit slots and see what comes up. Yeah, because I a couple um, buddies too. Yeah, a uh, couple buddies that one of them I took for the first time on that trip that we did up to Glen Allen. He's been shown interest, and then. My college roommate, who I just spent a weekend in Sequoia National Park with, my co- yeah, my college roommate, he's interested in doing it too. So we may we may have a whole posse going. Yeah, that'd be great. I love that love that part of the trip. And speaking of unfinished business, uh, jukebox still has to finish from Tuolumne to Happy Isles. So we got to find easiest, a weekend to get it's, that done. It's, it's like majority downhill. Just don't do it in September when we almost ran out of water. Well, it's looking like this is going to be a dry year, so. Yeah. I think uh, our southbound trip might be pretty good for that. Yeah. Um, also, I had a chance for our 30th anniversary. We went up to Tahoe, and we did a little bit. Uh, I stepped on the Tahoe Rim Trail for a little bit while I was up there and did some research on that, and that seems like it would be a pretty fun trip. Might have to break it up into two summers. Because that's a full yeah. loop, right? Yeah, it's a, it circumnavigates the lake. It's 170 miles. And uh, goes from about 6,200 feet at its low point to 10,300 feet at its high point. That's manageable. And that desolation uh, wilderness is up there, too. There's tons of trails there. Yeah. <clears throat> and, Doc, didn't you say a possible uh, upcoming camping trip in the Mojave somewhere? What was nope. that about? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about just getting out and, and seeing, seeing some stars. And I did some research looking for campsites. And there was this place called Hole in the Wall which is not necessarily a backpacking destination. It's more of a car camping destination, but there are all kinds of trails out there, I guess. But I think you find, we'll be- it, on, you find it on Craigslist. Yes. Yeah. It was like, on, it was on the dark web. So it, 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 it's, it's listed on hip camp. 
Well, E, when you were just up at Sequoia, were all the campsites open or were things? Yeah, no. Um, where we stayed at the bottom of the hill, it was every other campsite was there, but it was completely it was completely full. But I booked it probably three weeks in advance, so, okay, so it's, it's accessible. Yeah, and as I said, Doc, if you want to do some uh, some desert stuff, I live pretty close to Joshua Tree. If you want to head out here. I was looking there too. Yeah, all the yeah. campsites were full. The the whole yeah. hole in the wall for whatever reason it wasn't full. So yeah. there might, there might be a I wonder why. <laughs> Maybe that's the hint. But I think I think in our current state of affairs, I think that all national and state park campsites are only open for day use, not overnight use. I think uh, all all overnight reservations have been canceled at this point. Yes, um, my roommate just got a bunch of things kicked back to him from a trip he was going to be taking in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Chopper and Big E, I would strongly suggest you guys think about doing the Trans Catalina Trail. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm interested in that. What did that take you? A total of two days? Three nights. Three days, two nights? Three nights. Okay. Okay. That's doable. That's one. It's like also, if you enjoy, you know, backpacking and be outdoors, but maybe, you know, like most people do, hate climbing up all the way to these these mountains, it's definitely a hike where I felt like I enjoyed all the fun aspects of the JMT as far as like being around campfires and, and being in outdoors, but not necessarily having to, you know, summit the, the golden staircase in Mathers Pass and back-to-back uh, attempts. It doesn't, it doesn't crush you the same way? No, it doesn't crush your spirits. It's, it's definitely for more novice uh, outdoors men and women, um, but a beautiful hike. And kind of by the fourth day, you're just like, man, I really don't want to leave. I'm kind of hitting that sweet spot you know right mm-hmm. and no yeah. altitude sickness right but i get seasick too so that's a problem yeah. gotta get out there it's an island yeah because because the island is really moving around in the, exactly. in the waves it's in the middle of the ocean it's gotta be bobbing up and down yeah chopper yeah. you and i and, uh, and actually all four of us all four of us did part of the high sierra trail i'd like to do the full yep. high mm-hmm. sierra trail we did bear I, palmetto to hamilton lakes hamilton yeah. We went up to Precipice, yeah. Yep. I'd like to do that full trip. That would be that sounds like a really fun, fun trip. I, I, I just don't want to go underneath that uh, that ice slide with a full pack on type thing. Right. Hopefully that won't be there. Yeah. Well the and, other thing we gotta we gotta balance is you know the other fa- the rest of our families because you know Mrs. Chopper's like, okay, that's fine and dandy, but what about my vacation? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a common that's that's a that's a theme that runs through through our households. That's yep. right. Well, I think it was when we went up to uh, High Sierra Trail, uh, my wife and my daughter said, you know what, screw it. We're going to go down to Mexico while you guys are gone. So they were down in, uh, what? Where they, they, were Cabo. they went to Cabo, yeah. yeah. They, they showed you. That's yeah, right. right. <laughs> we, we, all come, we all came home very happy, so it was a win-win. Doc, you better pray I'm never given that option between you and, uh, and Mrs. Doc because I would be in Cabo. So no, no offense to our, uh, our listeners out there, but I'd probably be in Cabo. <laughs> nice. And then I've talked to Steele Carter. He was a guest on, on one of the episodes and he lives up in Washington and was raving. And I've heard other people rave about the Wonderland trail. Right. It goes uh, around the, is it Shasta? Not Shasta. Uh, no, Rainier. Uh, Rainier. Yeah. Yeah. It goes around Rainier. And I know it's a it's a bit of a stretch, but that those Patagonia trips that was it the W and the Q yeah those, yeah the yeah the W trail yeah. getting down there's the, a bit of a trek yeah any then, interest yeah. in in Everest Base Camp no no 
after reading In a Thin Air, I was like, nope, I have no. Not everything, Everest. Everything about that just sounds horrid. Not all the way up to Everest, just Everest Base Camp. That's like no, 18,000 18, like, feet. Doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're out, it's just, you're, you're, you're baking in the sun, and then you're, you're, you know, smelling everything that they're burning from the, the dung, and you can't get it out. It just, it just sounds yeah. horrid. The, wow. the, the literal poo slides that they're describing of all of the, the waste up on the mountain slowly sliding yeah. down, that's, I don't really want to go there. I, I, Machu Picchu's on the list. Yep. I, I think you can get Mrs. Chopper to do that one. Yeah, my, I, I definitely want to go down to the Because it includes porters. <laughs> pa- pa- Patagonia is a big one. Definitely want to go down there. Yeah. yeah. And just because bucket list, I think, it would be really cool to go to the Alps, just to cruise around and hike around in the Alps. Yeah, uh, especially after uh, you and I read that uh, Beneath the Scarlet Sky right. of a uh, kid in the Italian – it was a – it's kind it of like a, a – yeah. It's kind of like a fictionalized version of this kid's story. In he grew up in Milan in the '40s and was living in an abbey in the Alps and was got being a mountaineer guide for Jews escaping to Switzerland. His dad, his dad sent him to this abbey up in the Alps to get away from Milan and the Nazis, and he just kind of jumped into taking these people over the trails. and He would be the guide up and over into Switzerland. It's a cool story. If you, yeah. ever, you should check it out. That sounds like a great adventure media suggestion that you left out earlier. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't all, focus. There's only what maybe a, the first quarter of the book is about. Yeah, I, I'd say like f- first quarter or third, and then the rest of it, he becomes a driver for a Nazi general and is like feeding information to the resistance. It's, it, it's a crazy story. It's a true story, yeah. but it's like you, you wouldn't believe the majority of the things that happened in this kid's life. It's, it's just yeah. not. Wow. It's very, it's very unbroken. My last suggestion for a possible future trip, uh, shouldn't be my last, but the last one this episode is The Lost Coast. Yes, that would be fun. I was going to bring that up, Doc, but didn't you say that some guy told you he hiked on that and it kind of sucked because it was all sand and really hard to walk on or no? I've had, I've had a couple of people on talking about it, and one guy wasn't too fond of it, but the other guy just raved about it. So I don't know. Uh, I'd, I'd like to experience. I, I love the the ocean uh, you know, nearby on the hikes, like on, on the Trans Catalina Trail, that was pretty cool. Every, yeah, every, everything I've paid attention to the tides because there's some areas where you have to go low tide and to get around corners and stuff. Yeah, yeah that, very strategic. The, yeah. yeah, and and uh, going to the bathroom, you have to really count your steps to get away from the uh, the high tide line. They actually recommend that you dig your cat hole in the sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Buddy had one he was throwing out there to us about was it Dinky Lakes or Dinky Lake Loop or something like that. That's yeah, that's right. Yep. Near near uh, Lake Florence, where we uh, started the John Muir Trail. Mm-hmm. There's so many things up in the Sierra, so many different choices. It's it's whether you want to do a long weekend, like that one that we did for the Glen Allen Loop. It's a, it was a great long weekend one. Yeah. It wasn't too hard, easy to get in and out. While, while we're on the topic of, we've kind of talked about bucket list destinations and, and hiking ideas. Uh, two places I would really, really, really love to go to, but also kind of nervous because of wildlife and and uh, creatures that we necessarily don't have in California. And that is um, in the Yellowstone area. I want to go to Yellowstone very badly and explore and go on hikes in there. But I know that, you know, they have grizzlies and, and, uh, and other, you know, dense populations of predators. And then also just kind of back to the topic of, of Lewis and Clark, the Blue Ridge mountains in West Virginia and Virginia and that area 
uh, I would love to go visit there and, and just see what that's all about because I feel like it's a it's a type of outdoors that we're not even used to here in our you know Sierra mountains. So you know, the, stuff, the stuff back east, everybody says there's two things: it's very wet, and two is there's so many trees. And I know Doc, you've interviewed a couple people who did the AT. It's you don't get the same views. You're in the forest. Yeah, you're in the green. You're in the green tunnel. And yeah. jukebox, just a recommendation to you: if you go to Yellowstone, I would even more recommend the Tetons. Absolutely, yeah. I was going to say the same thing. The Yellowstone's great. Yellowstone, like you go around and you experience crazy microclimates everywhere. But like you go to the Tetons, and they are just unbelievable, and think, and yeah. less and less populated too. But they're so they're so severe the way they just pop up. It, it, I think they're much more striking than the stuff you see in Yellowstone. But that's just personal opinion. You're going to get some hate mail on that one too, Doc. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Have fun with that one. But, yeah, we know somebody uh, climbed to the top of uh, of the Grand Teton, and she said it was one of the coolest trips that she's yeah, done. Yeah, we still got to do that. It's, it's very manageable. Jukebox, I want you to go to the Grand Tetons, go to, go to Jackson Hole, start in Jackson Hole, and do the picnic. The picnic is a race devised by a guy out there, and Mike Chambers talked about it in his episode. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. God, you know? is everything a damn race in this thing? Is it? Yeah. Everything. Anything? You should know that by now. Yeah. Hey, it, it's one of those things. If we're already out there, might as well just be the fastest person or craziest person out there. So let me tell you what the picnic is. It's uh, it's a race against yourself, really. You you bike for I don't know 15, 20 miles out of town. So you get to this lake, Jenny Lake, you swim two miles across the lake, you get out of the lake, you then climb to the top of the Grand Teton, and then you turn around and go back the same way. That was the guy, what was his his show called? It's it's what you can do in a weekend. That's right, Beat Monday. Beat Monday. Mike Chambers. Everything he does is what I can do in basically 48 hours. Right, yeah. That's you know what that's convenient because uh, the lady jukebox has a friend whose family owns property in Jackson Hole, which might be a possible destination for Dude, one of these. Just bringing journeys. that up, you you should have brought that up at the beginning. Dude, what well, that led with that? I I don't know what uh, the you know, the friend we, thinks of jukebox, or you know, there's a lot of uh, barriers. Hey, have, the, have the friend Jackson Hole. Have the friend listen to the podcast. You'll be in like Flynn. Yeah, and I'll, and, I'll refer it. And and once once you have the end, we don't even have to stay at the place. We can pitch tents on the property. We'll be fine. True, very true. What could go wrong in uh, <laughs> pitching tents out there? We don't right? even need to use the bathroom. We're all good. <laughs> We've got our shovels. That's right. <laughs> every every episode, we got to go back to that, don't we? That's right. That's yeah. right. Every episode, we'll collapse. We'll travel. Hey guys, you know where we are right now? Time to get another beer. Pro tip of the week. What is it? High tip right. of the week. Pro tip inside of the week. What do, what do we have to share with our listeners? What can they learn from us? Retrace um, your steps and find a landmark. I don't know. That's what I was going to say. You know, we made a lot of fun about those, uh, that's that, the that questionnaire, but it's don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a sponsor this episode. That's the backpacker.com pro tip inside of the week. Retrace your steps and find a landmark. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we joke about it all the time, but it's like, don't be stupid. Don't get yourself in trouble. And yeah. if you get in trouble, just calm down, turn around and figure out where you came from and get back to something safe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's, that's the lip service to, you know, reasonable behavior. Uh, we we haven't always followed that advice ourselves. Though. No, no, never. And the other thing is, you know what? It's been a weird year, so let's make next year a lot more fun. Everybody, get out, go out and do stuff, whatever it is, and just just get out of the house. 
And I think we need to end this 50th episode, the season finale for season one on the JFM pod. I think we need to end it with our four favorite memories, one each, one each from us, favorite memories from the trail, from the John Muir trail. I'm glad you didn't say from all the episodes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Your favorite memory from each each of the first 49 episodes. No. Your favorite memory from the John Muir Trail? Um, Waking up the morning of spending the night at Wanda Lake because it was a miserable day before and a super windy night. And then just sitting out there on the rocks and the sun coming up, it was one of my one of my best moments. And I go back to that all the time. Yeah. Nice. I will go with, uh, and this might surprise you, Chopper. I'm going to go with that night that we spent at Tyndall Frog Ponds. <laughs> with the storm? With the storm where it was, it, there was not a cloud in the sky when we were eating dinner. And I actually debated on whether or not to put the rain fly on, but I did. And shortly after we turned into our tents, uh, the storm rolled in and it was rolling thunder up and down. That was uh, very cool. Up and down the valley and it got closer and closer. And it was a miserable night, make no mistake. But uh, it, it eventually, the, the flash of lightning and the, the thunderclap of lightning, uh, of thunder, thunderclap of thunder happened simultaneously. And the storm was right on top of us. And when we got up the next morning with like 10 minutes of sleep, uh, kind of looking at each other, we were amazed that we were still alive. And sure enough, the ranger confirmed that, man, that's the worst storm that she's ever been in. And she's been out there for 15 years. So that, I think that was quite an achievement to survive that, that storm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. That was one of my favorite <clears throat> times out there. And in the middle of it, it was frightening. But the next day, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say my favorite memory on the trail is with all three of you uh, and Buddy and um, Skids. When we, uh, the day after, uh, Buddy got pretty upset with that hiker who said, oh, it's just, it's just right, <laughs> over, this is right over there or whatever he was saying. Uh, and after that night, I think it was what pigeon something. What was it called? The campsite? Uh, I don't remember. Quail Meadows. Quail Meadows. Uh, quail now, Meadows. Yeah, Quail Meadows. So from when we hiked to Quail Meadows uh, that day, when we went up, we climbed up. We saw the guy crossing the creek with his dog. Remember, he was carrying the dog. We yeah. ended up going up to Silver Pass. We had lunch at Silver Pass. We're sitting up there looking at the opening. Uh, Skids claimed he saw the lone the lone Indian out there. Remember on the yep. on the way down, he said he saw it, and uh, we ended up climbing down. I think we ended up at Tully Hole at the end of that day, and that yep. was a yeah. that was a that was an awesome day on the trail. I would have to say. Yeah, um, it doesn't. I don't know if it technically counts as the trail, but the last day on that trip, when we got caught in that hailstorm and we sprint down the mountain to catch the last bus into Mammoth Lakes. We have to flag down the bus driver who's just trying to go home to take us into town. Skids picks us up in his truck and we go to that pizza parlor and we reek. They throw us in a corner and we just start laughing and just joking about it. And I think, and Buddy and I said a joke to each other and I had just Dr. Pepper just running out of my nose. It was, you know what the joke was, Biggie? It, it was the, uh, the pizza was called the masterpiece. And you said, hey, hey uh, said. buddy, buddy, can you masterpiece me? Yeah, that was it. It was, yeah, can you, yeah, can you masterpiece me? And uh, Dr. Pepper ran out of my nose. 
<laughs> and incredible moments. And you know what? We don't get those moments unless we're out on the trail. So yep, exactly. uh, yep. big, another big pro tip to our listeners, get off your couches, turn off, turn off the podcast and go live some adventure out there. Na- All right. Na- nature's nature's great, especially in a quarantine. <laughs> so there you have it. That's it. Episode 50 and season one are in the books. You mean it this time? What's that? You mean it this time? I mean it this time. Okay, all right. Because I've already recorded other episodes that start off with, uh, welcome to season two, episode one. (laughs) (laughs) You've already already pigeonholed yourself. That's right. This is the last episode of the season. So um, where was I? I hope our our listeners enjoyed our time with our group of trail misfits. And I want to thank them for joining us this week. Any comments, guys? No, it's been a great time. Glad we could be part of it. Just a final plug, and I want to know from the listeners, uh, the uh, the large following that Doc has on the JFM pod, I haven't used hiking boots in a while, and my old hiking boots are, I think they're time to get thrown away. So give me some recommendations for trail shoes, trail boots, what I should wear uh, from now on. You know, there's some holidays coming up, maybe a potential gift. So let me know what you think uh, Jukebox should put on the feet next time he gets out on the trail. Crocs. Yeah, there you go. Choc- chacos. Chacos. <laughs> All right. Remember to check out the pod on social media. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at the John Freak at John Freakinmuir at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and help us out. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself, right, guys? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Guys, let's end the episode and the first season with some New Year's resolutions since this episode will end air in January. New what Year's are you resolved to do? Um, I'm going to make the plan for Patagonia. Oh, wow. He spoke oh. it into existence. Here we go. <laughs> Mrs. Chopper will not be happy. <laughs> oh, but, but Big E will be. Uh, New Year's resolution is finish the JMT. I got a little little portion left. That's my New Year's resolution. Get out there and finish it. I, I got a bigger portion, but I'm going to finish the southern half. There we go. How about you, Oh, I, I am going to commit to making plans and doing my research to do the Tahoe Rim Trail. Yeah. Very good. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. Doesn't care if you want to go downhill. Doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky pursuing wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.